me people sitting ready for this word wow that's cool i'm glad i i'm glad i don't preach for amens and showers but I'd, I'd have been in trouble if i was like that <laughs> glad i preach out of obedience because he told me to but um i feel a real weight on today um so much so that Pastor Ashley and I fasted this whole week and because of what, what God instructed me uh, a week ago because I had something else I was ready to rock and roll in a different direction and he said stop that's something that you need to address because you cannot go any further if the foundation be not laid right and my scriptural reference for that is if the foundations be destroyed what shall the righteous do and too many of us try and build skyscrapers and towers and all of these big aesthetic pretty looking things in our lives but if I let somebody get close enough and examine they'll see that I have either cracks in my foundation or no foundation at all and that is terribly dangerous in the kingdom. So much so that you could get to the end. And Matthew chapter 7 tells me that he could say to you, depart from me. I never knew you. That's how dangerous that is. To not have solid foundation. And so it's with that heart and that seriousness that I had to go in fast because of the weight of what today carries. The, the topic for today is the real on salvation. The real on salvation. Because I think that with, within, within church culture, we, we have this, we've got this dangerous, dangerous notion to where we treat salvation so common we just throw it at the end of worship throw it at the end of the service get folk to recite a prayer and say these things but nothing changes nothing you go back and live the exact same life you did before you said the words the same thing and the Lord paid too high of a price on Calvary. Calvary was too ugly. So much so that the prophet Isaiah said that he was beat to a point that he was unrecognizable. You couldn't tell who you were looking at. I couldn't. If I looked at him, I wouldn't know who it was. That's how bad it got. But it got that way for the sake of my sin. It gets that way for the sake of my sin. And here I am, constant, millennia later, in the church. And I don't bear the same weight on it, Elder Johnny. I have reduced it. Down to if I feel bad, I'm just going to say this prayer. I feel bad about what I did the week prior. So I'm just going to pray this prayer just to get myself feeling good again. And we have reduced salvation 
something that happened to where there was supposed to be a transformation in my heart and I'm not the same person anymore because sin has been taken away sin has been completely removed out of the equation and now I can arise to be who God called me to be that's salvation so we about to journey a little bit into that y'all know me I bring a ton of scriptures because I believe that you're supposed to preach the Bible. That's just how I roll. So, we got a lot of scriptures. If you're taking notes, I am. Uh, I will recite them. Most of them will be on the screen. But um, I just want. I just need us to take a few moments and make sure that we lay some groundwork. Because I'm gonna tell you something. If you're going to be a part of Strong City Church, I need you to recognize how much. Pastor Ashley, myself, and everyone, everyone that we pick to be in leadership, how much they care for your soul. You can't lead here if you are not about souls. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care who you wrote a song with, who you recorded, where you recorded. I don't care how's your soul. You're not taking no song with you to eternity. God's not going to ask you about what song did you write. The condition of your soul is the only thing that will matter when you stand before the Lord. That's it. He's not going to ask me about sermons I preach. He's going to ask me, what did you do with the souls I brought before you? Why did you play games with them? And I can't have that kind of weight on me, family. So you're not going to be able to say nobody told you. We about to talk about it. Hell is real. Just because I'm a millennial don't mean I don't recognize that. It's not just the old school saints. The old school saints had a very good grip on this. So much so that it began to lean into a direction of legalism. I'm not going there. But I am calling us to accountability. No doubt. No doubt. So this one might be a little hard. This one might be a little rough. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough not to play with your soul. Now if you get out of this and you choose not to go, hey, that's on you. But it will not be able to be said by you that nobody ever told you. Somebody's got to tell this is the essence of preaching. This is the essence of preaching. This is the essence of the church. The foundation of salvation being saved. This is the foundation of who we are as believers. It's what causes me to believe my salvation. So let's do it. Starting in uh, Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. Thank you, Ryan. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to, uh, going to do verses 6 through 13. So what we're about to do now is just have a chronological walk. Chronologically, I'm not hitting every book of the Bible. Don't worry about that. But I'm hitting key points to where we, where we walk from. There was perfection. God creates uh, the earth, creates humanity. There's sheer perfection. Man is put in a garden and put in a place to where there's absolutely no need that they have among them. 
But as we're about to look in this account, there was somewhere where the serpent made his way to Eve. And these are scriptures that I'm sure most of us know we have read, we have seen and everything, but I need us in light of the message to just open our eyes and keep ourselves uh, open to what, to what it is that the Lord is saying. Let me pray before I start. Father, may your Holy Spirit come in, teach, instruct, change, transform. You are the only one that can do that. I cannot do that. You're a much better preacher than I am. You're a much better teacher than I am. And with that in mind, I lay myself down to be used by you in this day and in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's do it. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6 says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Where are you, Adam? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and, and I ate. So we see here, perfection is now been gone. Perfection is now gone, enters sin. Uh, we won't read any further from here, but you know the story. God has to put them out of the garden because had they partaken uh, of the tree of life, they would have been stuck in this condition forever. So out of God's goodness for them, he puts them out of that paradise, puts them out of the garden. Now, thousands of years later, here we are, and there's a man named King David who writes in Psalm 51 about a condition in which he was born in. He says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in my inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. I want us to rest on verse 5 right quick. Y'all know it's been a while since I've been up here, so I got I to gotta get my board back. Feels good. There's this particular word that he has uh, that he talks about up there, and it's called iniquity. Iniquity is a condition that everyone, as a result of what happened in Genesis chapter 3, now has to deal with. Anyone who makes a passageway into the earth through the womb of their mother has to deal with the condition of iniquity. Can someone go back to the, to the board, please, and, and turn, turn my microphone down just a little bit? There's a little bit of a ring in it. Just turn it down a little bit. 
Hallelujah. So, so, there, there, so there's the condition of iniquity that every person has to deal with, no matter who you are, no matter who your parents are. The very fact that you are born into the earth, there is this terrible, sickening condition that of no fault of my own that attacks me and that attaches itself to me. And as I go throughout my entire life, I always got this thing hanging on me. So I always got this condition and got this thing hanging on me. And no matter how good I am, how many good deeds I do, how many, good, how many people I help, how many nice things I say, how many nice things I intend from the intention of my heart, I have this condition that is stamped to me for the simple fact that I am a part of the human race. It's called an iniquity. And David said that I was brought forth in it and in sin uh, my mother conceived me. Now there's some theologians that say that in sin my mother conceives me may say of the fact that David's mother and David's father were not married at the time of his conception uh, that's what some theologians say but the point is sin is in the mix okay sin is in the mix when I come through the birth canal of my mother now what does iniquity mean the word iniquity when you look it up it means to be bent or be twisted Okay? It's, it's a bending and a twisting. So everyone who makes their way into the earth, no matter who you are, comes into the earth, is sat on the birthing table. We're all excited. We're so glad they're here. We're taking photos. I was in the room with both of my children being born, but right there on the table, they were bent and twisted towards something in life already. There's something, there's some kind of engine that is in them that is being moved by sin. The condition of sin. They are bent and twisted towards something of no fault of their own. Already. Bent and twisted in that way. And David lets us know that I'm, I'm bent and I'm twisted in my first birth. So in my first birth, there's a bending and a twisting. So imagine going through life with this bending and twisting on the inside, but you'd either never know or feel like you're powerless to do anything about the situation. So you're going through life as best as you can, but you find yourself still not being able to move forward, still not being able to always make the right decisions still seems like life constantly just keeps crashing down wrong things keep happening wrong thoughts keep coming through I keep finding myself in this habit keep finding myself in this problem in this situation I cry out I won't help I don't want to be like that don't want to do that but there's this bending and twisting inside that forces you to go in that direction it forces me. Why? Because there's a bending and an iniquity that comes like that. And there's a bending and twisting of what it is that's happening with me internally. Internally. I heard something pop. What happened? I tell you, boy. He, he, know, he know how to mess with it. Because he knows the power of this message. So in, in the bending and twisting, in my first birth, I'm bent and I'm twisted. If I am bent and I'm twisted and it was, listen, no fault of my own. No fault of my own, but because I'm a part of the human race, that means I got it and I didn't do anything to get it. I got it because of something that happened before me. So that means I need someone else. I need something else to come through and to rescue me out of that condition. 
I need someone to rescue me out of that condition. So it shows that I have this sick condition and I need someone to rescue me. Now, who's the one that rescues? We know who that is. In steps the prophesy. So I got this, I got this bending and I got this iniquity. So we said this means bent, bent and twisted. So if I'm in this condition and it's no fault of my own, I need someone that is able to come through and step in and rescue me. And in rescuing me, who is that? We see Jesus. So in steps the prophesied one, the Lamb of God who lives a perfect and sinless life, showing all who would follow him what the empowered life is able to be looked to is able to look like. So Jesus comes in thousands of years later because he was he was the son of David. He's the prophesied one, the root of Jesse, the one that is to come and to fix all of this that's happening. So Jesus comes in, he comes in, fulfills everything that needs to be fulfilled, he lives the perfect life that he needs to live and in doing that gives an opportunity for the bit and the twisting to go away how is that let's take a look John chapter 3 John chapter 3, this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus, and this is where, uh, one, the, if not the most famous, one of the most famous scriptures of all time rests. John 3.16. But let's start at John 3.1. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, said to Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So iniquity hits me and touches me in my spirit man. Okay. So iniquity has touched me in my spirit. But it does make its ramifications happen within my flesh. It makes its way out. But, th but this, is a, this is a soul condition. This is a soul condition. Hence why we were given right here the remedy of one has to be born again. But notice how Jesus dispelled it and said, this is not another, this is not a natural birth. You got one natural birth and that got you here within the earth. But this birth that I'm talking about is something that happens to you internally. It's something that happens to the point to where there is something that is called heart conversion. Whenever there is heart conversion, there is a conversion to where it's, there is something that happens inside of me that, that re-ignites re me, that re-energizes me, that sets me on a new course, and that takes me from that bit and twistedness of iniquity, and the being born again is able to straighten me out 
It's able to straighten out the bent and the twistedness of what it is that has happened to me. Because if you study in scripture, the one of the things that Jesus constantly got on the Pharisees, which Nicodemus is one of, is the fact that they were walking around with the bent and twistedness of iniquity. Although they took all of the outer garments and wore all the right things and said all the right things and played the right games and played the fiddle in front of people to try and fool them to make make them think that they were this and that and the third but but Jesus saw right through that and said I see through all that that you're trying to do to impress me and I can look at the condition of your heart and tell that you still got something bent and twisted in you although you want to play the game you want to play the game like everything's cool, like everything's okay. And I am telling you that unless you be born again, you can't get rid of the bitterness. You can't get rid of it. And in being born again, it is a heart conversion, not just saying words. Not just saying words. The cross is not to get you to repeat after me. The cross is to get your heart transformed. Ain't no amens, but it's all right. I'm going to tell the truth. The cross is about heart transformation. Being shifted and transformed on the inside to where I am not the same person anymore. And if I am not the same person anymore, that means I have experienced the new birth. I love what Pastor Nick said this morning. Ninth month, there's a birthing. Could today be the day that there's a new birth that is born again? That someone would be born again genuine transformation to where your soul gets reinstated back into the proper alignment and the proper dominion that you were born to carry you were not born to be stuck in sin to be stuck in cycles to be stuck in habits to be stuck in this downtrodden position God made me to rule and have dominion but I need to be born again so I don't have the twistedness robbing me I need to be born again. I need that. No one else can do it for me. It's why we worship him. No one else is worthy of that. Because no one else could take their life and lay it down like they did. And the one that said that he lay it down will pick it back up again. And when he picked it back up, he raised me to life in him. This is the gospel. That's why we gather. I'm grateful for his blessings. I'm grateful when there's breakthrough that happens. But I don't gather in here to ask him for a car. I don't gather in here to ask him to pay my bills. I don't gather in here to ask him for more money in my paycheck. I don't gather in him to ask him for his hand. I gather in here because he saved my soul. I was on my way to hell and could do nothing about it. Listen, he would have been justified to let me go. He could have sat in his majestic glory, stayed right there 
and said, I'm just going to let it go and start over again and would have been completely justified because of the justice of heaven. The justice from the courts of heaven that says when you disobey God, when you disobey God, that's what happens to you. I could have stayed there, Pastor Anthony. Could have stayed there. But stepped out of that time. Stepped out of eternity, excuse me. Stepped out of eternity into time. Subjected himself to time. Subjected himself to everything that we as humans experience and go through. Subjected himself to that place to put himself in that lowest common denominator position of man, a baby, a child, growing up, doing those things, growing in the measure and stature of favor with God and man, doing it to the point to where he was perfect and doing it, but not so that he could wear a badge and say, look at me, look at how good I am. He gave it as a sacrifice after he did that he turned around and hung on the cross to give that as a sacrifice and in giving that as a sacrifice now says all who believe in me and take this heart transformation will be able to be made in something completely different and brand new that's good news that's good news family that's good news hallelujah Matthew chapter 3 verse 8 so I'm, coming, so I'm coming out of the bit and twistedness. So in, in, the, in the new birth, so Jesus said I must be born again. I dealt with iniquity at first. It makes me bent and twisted. Jesus says I have to be born again because this happened in my first birth. Now being born again, I'm straightened out. So that's my second birth. Brings me to a heart conversion and it rescues me. But there's something that John the Baptist tells us about that needs to be a part. That needs to be a part. Because what, it, what we call going from the bent and twistedness into being straightened out is repentance. Repentance. And in, repent, and in repentance, that means, literally means to shift the way I think. It means to turn and go another direction. But when you break it down further, it's I turn and go in the other direction as a result of me shifting how I think. I cannot just wheel myself into a different direction if I have not first transformed how I think, how I process information. So when the Holy Spirit comes into me, saves my soul, regenerates me, there's a process to where I'm going to where I don't think and process information the same way anymore. So once, so before my conversion, I may have come up on a situation and I would have handled it one way. But now after my conversion, there's a transformation in my thinking. I don't handle it the same way anymore. I don't handle it the same way. I don't think along those same lines. Now, that's not always an instantaneous thing. But the point is, there's something that happens within me that gets me moving. It gets me generated into a different line of thinking and into a different position. I don't keep finding myself in the same place, in the same situation, in the same habit, having the same thing happen over and over and over and over again. Not and be born again. Not and be saved. That's impossible. That's impossible. That's impossible when I've been regenerated on the inside. Absolutely impossible. Otherwise, I have to ask the question, what did I get saved from? I told you I'm going to go there. 
I'm going there today. What did I get saved from if I keep finding myself in the same situation all the time? I have to ask myself, did I get saved? Did I get what I say I got? Because as a result of getting what I say I got, if I study this thing out, I'm not going to be on that same path no more. I'm not going to be there. That's not going to be appetizing to me anymore. I don't eat from that plate no more. Why? I'm born again. I'm, I'm straightened out now. And I'm finally able to think along the processes of what it is that God told me that I'm supposed to be thinking. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, for it's your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of my mind. How I process information. I don't take the same route no more. When I'm faced with a decision, I don't go down that road no more. I don't kick it like that with people no more. I don't put myself and subject myself into compromising situations like that no more. Why? I'm born again. And I don't hide it. I'm born again. But if I'm not, I can keep going. I can keep going. If I, still, if I still got enough of a grip on my soul to where I can bend myself toward doing those things that compromise and it's all right, you need to check. Do you have what you say you have? Just a legitimate question. It's something we need to think about. So John, excuse me, John in uh, Matthew chapter 3 is once again going off on the Pharisees. Between him and Jesus, they just love to do that. So he's going off on the Pharisees in this simple statement. Because this is, this is before he said to them, don't say to me that your sons are Abraham, because I'm telling you that God out of these stones can raise up sons of Abraham. In other words, don't tell me about the faith of somebody else. You can't hang on to grandma's faith. You can't hang on to mama's faith. You cannot do that. This is you and the Lord. Your family will not be there with you in eternity. My mama ain't finna be nowhere around. My children ain't finna be nowhere around. It's me before the holy, majestic presence, dreadful presence of the God who created the universe. Demanding an account from me on what I did with my life. And this is, this is what uh, gave John the notion to say this. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. What does that mean? Bear fruit of repentance. So if I say that I have this transformation that's happened to me, somebody asked me, am I saved? Somebody asked me, am I born again? If I answer yes, I am answering yes to the fact that I have gone through the process of repentance and I'm in the mix of changing and shifting how I think and my actions are starting to go on that same path. That's the fruit 
of repentance. If I look at you and you say you have repented, do you have fruit to convince me of the repentance? Do you have fruit? Excuse me. Do you have fruit of the repentance? Is there something about your life to where I can look and I can grab from the branch of your life a fruit that I can bring? Listen, listen, listen to the power of this. Fruits have nutrients. If fruits have nutrients, that means somebody should be able to come to your life, grab a fruit of repentance, bite into it, and be able to get the nutrients of repentance. That's not just for a preacher. That is for a disciple. One who has been born again. That's the, that's the power of the church. The church is only going to be able to spread the kingdom and multiply when all of us bear fruits of our repentance. But if no one can grab any kind of fruit from my life to where they're able to get the nutrients of repentance, how in the world are they supposed to get the message too? I look just like them. I look just like the world. I cuss just like the world. I cuss my family out just like the world. I get mad and pout when stuff ain't going my way just like the world. I'm doing all this stuff and compromising situations just like the world. There's no difference between you and I. And if there's no difference between you and I, I'm not worthy of the salt, Jesus says. I'm no different. There has to be a differentiating factor between us and the world. There has to be. Otherwise, we, what, what am I doing? This is not a social club. This is not a social club. This ain't no social gathering. We ain't just doing this because we ain't got nothing better to do. There is life transformation and an anointing that I was promised would destroy a yoke and remove a burden. That's why I do what I do. That's why I preach like I preach. Because I want that anointing to visit his people, break yokes, and remove burdens. That's what happens in the heart of one who is born again. You mean to tell me, Doc, you don't think about stepping out on your wife whenever you go preach somewhere? No! I'm born again! You mean to tell me, man, you ain't going to slide a little bit of the money in your pocket and whatnot, you to preach? No! I am born again. I don't roll like that. Me personally, I have no female friends. I don't do that. I don't knock anybody that does, but for me, I am born again. I don't do that. I don't cuss my kids out when they do wrong. I am born again. And if one is born again, you must examine your life to see the kind of fruits that you are producing. First of all, especially if you are a parent, I would to God that my daughter and my son would look at me and say, God must be cool with all that sin and foolishness because my mom and dad do it.
It must be all right. Now, once again, I said it earlier, this is not legalism. We just don't know what accountability feels like in the church no more. You judging me. You doing this. You do. No, I'm holding you accountable to what you said you got. You said it. I give the altar call and you don't respond. That tells me that you got it or you don't want to have it. And we ain't got no time to play no games with souls. None. I can't do that. I didn't move my family back down to play games. We came to see a move of God. A move of the Holy Ghost. We had families come with us because they wanted to see a move of the Holy Ghost. They don't drive an hour and a half to play games. We don't get up at the crack of door to get our kids ready to play games. And you don't do the same. Not playing with your soul. Eternity's on the line. I worry about your gift. I'm glad you got it. Praise God. But where's your soul? Where's your soul? And this is what John is asking. Bear fruits worthy of your repentance. I'm looking at your life and I see nothing that gives account for what you claim you got. You must have a fruit with it. If you are indeed a Christian, saved, born again, there's fruit that should be able to be seen, and there's an accountability. Accountability means I am answerable, liable to be called to account that you are to hold yourself to. You don't get to do your version of kingdom living. It's not your kingdom. It's not my kingdom. I don't come into the kingdom of God and bear the rules of how I'm going to do it and think God going to bless that? Are you serious? Are you serious? I'm going to live in his kingdom how I want to and get upset with him when he don't bless what I'm doing. Just switch it. What if you were king? You were king. You set an order and an establishment in your kingdom as to how things are to go. Now, mind you, you know the system works. All they got to do is obey it. You know the system works because you're a good king. I'm not trying to be selfish. I want to bless you, but I'm going to bless you according to this. You come into my kingdom. I come into your kingdom. And I just start doing it how I want to do it. And they get upset with you because you don't bless me. See how we laughing? Yet we do the same thing in the kingdom of God. We do the same thing. I come into his kingdom with my rules and my regulations. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I heard a guy one time tell me that he, I'm saved, but I'm not finna change nothing. <laughs> Doc, you, you missed the whole thing. Like, you missed the whole thing. So you didn't get what you think you got. Because that's impossible to part the lips of one whose heart has been transformed. 
And the one whose heart gets transformed is the one who recognizes the depraved position he was in. I know the sickful condition I was in. I know the sickful condition and how I process information, how I thought, how I looked at people to manipulate them, how I looked at women to abuse them in my mind and in my heart, how I didn't care about people, how I didn't care about being responsible, how I only cared about me, myself, and I, my addiction to pornography, my addiction to all those different things that were trapping and robbing my life. I remember the dreadful days of that. And when somebody told me that I could be free, I jumped on it with no hesitation. And was, and was, and was there struggle? Yes. Was, was it easy all the time? Absolutely not. But I stayed on the course because I was born again. And there was a transformation that happened inside of me to where I don't process information anymore. I don't in the same way anymore. I don't look at people the same way anymore. I don't treat people the same way anymore. Because he got a hold of something of me on the inside. And this is a message pleading with us that if you do do not have that happening in your life. You need the power of the gospel and of the Holy Ghost to grab your heart and transform you. Amen. You need it to happen internally and shift something. That's how you will be free. That's how I will be free. Once I'm born again, something is actually supposed to shift with me. My internal world changes. I am different. I'm no longer okay with how I used to live. This is not an attachment. For too many of us, it's a badge of attachment. And when it's a badge of attachment, most of the time you hide it. Don't nobody know. There's no fragrance that comes from you that's any different from the world but I have a question how am I supposed to shift a world that I am no different from I won't even think in lines of shifting the world because I'm so selfish it's still full of me it won't matter that folk around me are going to hell it won't matter because there's nothing that's been shifted and transformed in me So I, don't even have, I don't even have the notion and the power to even think selfless. This is, the, this is the weight. This is the weight of where we are right now. This is the message that God wanted to bring to us. Wouldn't let me move on to nothing else till I laid this foundation. You know, he said to me, I, I might have said a little earlier, but he said, for what? There's no foundation laid. And you're going to keep building Legos on top of this shaky foundation. And the tower's going to fall. And we're going to constantly have folk disappointed. And constantly have folk frustrated. Constantly have folk in and out of stuff. In and out of compromising situations. In and out of sin. In and out of all this stuff. That if we would just get this right and allow a genuine heart transformation to take place within our life. Listen, when I'm born again, my behavior begins to shift on its own. 
You ain't got to come to this class and that class, have this person pray for you, have that person pray for you. Get born again for real. And watch the Holy Ghost start to take control of your life and things that you put down and things that you stop listening to and things that you stop watching and all these. Watch how all of that starts to take place within your life. Now, is that taking place in your life so God take all the fun away from you? Absolutely not. It's about purpose. God is a God of purpose. And for the purpose that's on your life, for the call that's on your life, for the genuine God call that he has called you to in the earth, there is a certain path in which you have to walk and that transformation will happen as I genuinely get born again so I am empowered when I'm when I get born again how does all this happen it's not by willpower it's not me waking up and saying okay I'm not gonna do this I'm not gonna do this I'm not gonna do that I'm not gonna do this I, I was there I was there I really thought it was like that and you know what I struggled struggled terribly but in the midst of, it's not that it is an empowerment from the grace of God that flows in a life of obedience through the Spirit. The grace of God to flow in a life of obedience through the Spirit. The grace of God is not me winning God's blind eye on my issues. It's not God turning his blind eye away from my sin. Like he's cool and okay with that in my life. He's not. He's not okay with that in my life. Now, I'm not, I'm not being judged and condem condemned away from it, but I must be careful to not abuse the grace of God. Paul going to talk to us about this. So what do we do then? Do we persist in sin so that God's kindness and grace will increase? What a terrible thought. A terrible thought is for me to say because God is so gracious and so good, I'm cool to stay in my issues and compromise lifestyle. God's cool with it. His grace is always available. What a terrible thought. We have died to sin once and for all as a dead man passes away from this life. So how could we live under sin's rule a moment longer? Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? This is the beautiful picture of baptism that's about to happen this afternoon when I go down in the water it is me coming into union with the death that he experienced but I don't get to stay there my God there's a resurrection that happens that once I'm raised to life the same life that is in Christ Jesus now lives in me and I'm not a bondage slave to sin anymore Sin no longer has a hole, so I don't have to answer the call when sin calls anymore. Now, nah, I'm under new management. You got the wrong number, Doc. I don't conduct myself like that anymore. You got the wrong number. Immerse into it with his death. Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered 
to walk in the freshness of new life. In the freshness of new life. How much time we got? Everybody good? I know I'm, pre- no, I'm preaching hard, but stay, stay with me. Stay with me. I'm giving you all I got because it matters. I'm giving you all I got. So, so, so we, see, we see here that, that this, this grace that I have been given, this empowerment that I have been given, is not given to me to abuse it. It's not given to me to use it in a manipulative way to keep living out the, the, the sinful stuff that I want to do because me having that desire to still want to do those things is a sign that I have not allowed the Holy Spirit enough access into me to shift what I want. Okay? If I'm still wanting the stuff that I wanted before I say I became converted, I have not allowed him access enough in. Which probably means I'm keeping myself really busy so that he can't have enough time to talk to me. Yeah. Oh, I know how this thing works. I, I'm very, very familiar with this. I know how this works. Keep yourself busy. Always coming up with an excuse. The kids, this, that. Yeah. Everybody got it. Kids, the job, the husband, the wife, the this, the that. There's always some reason. But in the process of there always being some reason, there's a danger that time might run out. is real time you understand that you own a set time in life that's why we call it a lifetime and the bible's clear don't none of us know when our particular day is i don't know so with so with that kind of odds would it make sense to play with this no it wouldn't. No, this ain't, this ain't, this, listen, please hear me. This is not a hellfire brimstone message, get saved because you scared to go to hell. That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about the jealous, vehement love of a father who loves so much that he gave, he gave the son away. So that the son could die, make a payment for all to come and be embraced in the family. But in being embraced in the family, I have to be one to where the culture of my life shifts to where I'm one that's a part of the family. What's, what's, what's the girl's name who got married to, uh, to Prince, Prince, uh, what was his name, Prince Harry? Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle. When Meghan Markle went to, to, be, to get herself prepared to become royalty. She had to shift things about her personal culture. First of all, she ain't in America no more. She's in England. And she's in the palace in England. Different set of codes and standards and ethics and culture. And when you are born again, listen, John 3 said I'm born into a kingdom. When I'm born into a kingdom, there's a different set of ethics and culture that I have to live by if I'm going to be in the kingdom. I got to live by that. But it's not trying to arrest me. It's actually trying to free me into what I've been born to do. 
I was born for the culture of the kingdom. But I got to make sure that things within my life are bearing the fruit of repentance that say I actually am from that kingdom. I'm actually from that kingdom. So the grace of God is in my life to get to give me that so that I'm able to uh, 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 show forth those those fruits. I'm able to show forth those fruits. Now, just this this last thing, last thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up. I'm wrapping up. Now, most of the time, most, most of the time, or at least in most churches that I have seen, the process of salvation goes from the, the confession. So we come up to the front. We do the confession. Then, then, then that process of, of, of making the decision. And I, I heard a pastor say this, and it hurt my heart. At the end of, of everybody saying the prayer, he said, we believe that if you have prayed this simple prayer, that you just got saved. Now, as, as truth as it is in the sense of it's not a lot of words, yes. But at the same time, don't treat this common. Because with so many of us treating salvation common, it has gotten us in the condition that we're in right now. That's why you're so frustrated. That's why life ain't working. That's why all this stuff is going on. And you're trying to do all the outer accoutrements. You might even give. You may give. You, you may tithe. Give a tenth. You pray. You come in for prayer. You 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 use your gift at, at the church or wherever you are, and all that stuff. And you're a good person, but because you do not have the foundation of being born again, you still frustrated. And because you don't have the foundation of being born again, if you look at your life, there's there is the residue of compromise everywhere. You know God been dealing with you about that situation. You know God been telling you to handle that stuff with that, with that relationship, with that issue. You know, you know God been saying it. Yet, if I am not genuinely born again, I can just keep ignoring it. Keep ignoring it. And continue to live in this cycle of frustration. Continue to live in this cycle to where there's, there is this constant getting the head backing up, getting a head backing up. And then I will start to get the erroneous thought that maybe life with God is just like that. No, it's not. He said that he would give life and life more abundantly. But that is attached to obedience. Obedience in doing what God has told and instructed me to do so so we got the conversion we got we got excuse me we got the confession and we got the decision do you know what C confession just simply means an acknowledgement of one's guilt that's it but in the process of me admitting that I'm actually guilty that doesn't mean that anything's happened to me internally that just means I told the truth if I took Pastor Nixon's phone if I confess that I took the phone what happens she just gets the information that I took the phone Nothing else. So then we go from confession to decision. I made a decision. Follow the Lord. We had uh, 75 decisions for Christ. What's a decision? A decision is simply, how is it? Let me, let me make sure I read it right. Decision. Conclusion after consideration. Case in point. You decide to get a Big Mac instead of a quarter pounder at McDonald's. That's how far a decision goes. And we going to connect that to salvation? No. 
Salvation is heart conversion. Conversion means to transform from one form to another. That is the cross. That is the gospel. It is a transformation. And this is my, this is my final scripture and I'm done. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. My fellow Jews. No, wait. I'm sorry. That's the wrong one. That's 17 uh, through 20. I decided to skip this one. Yes, here we are. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, or if any man be in Christ, maybe how you heard it. This is the Passion Translation. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Not improved, not better, not a better man, not an improved man, not a making better decisions man, a completely new person, a new creature, meaning I have no point of reference for who I am now. Never been seen before. New an entirely new person. All that it, listen, all that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. I feel a preach coming, so let me, I need to get that water swig. <laughs> Behold, everything is fresh and new. And God has made all things new. Listen, this is a process that by faith I have to enter into. Because if I look at everything around me, nothing may change to the eye. But I have to trust in the power of what has been said to me. That everything, everything about me has been shifted and has been made completely new now. And I have opportunity to walk in brand newness of life that has never been seen before. And God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them th directly through our lips. This is what you've been called to if you are genuinely born again. You're not just a pew sitter. For in our case, seats. You're not just sitting in the seat taking up space doing God a favor because you showed up. Grow up. We're not doing God no favor just because we in here. This don't merit God to bless me just because I showed up. There's some kind of fruit that's got to bear forth from my life if I got this thing. God don't owe me no favor. I owe him everything. The life I've been given came only because he turned a gracious eye toward me and said, I want to bless you.
I don't exist for his. I don't exist. He doesn't exist for my glory. I exist for his. We got this thing backwards. And it's the faulty foundation of salvation that we think we got that has led us into this erroneous thinking. This foolishness and this sin and compromise and no power and we pray for folk and they walk out of here sick. I'm tired of that. I want to see the power of God. But the foundation's got to be set and I got to get saved. There are people in this room, you still sick because you're not saved. You still got all kind of stuff in your heart that you have not given forgiveness over or not received the forgiveness of God and you still got issues in your life. You still got compromise because you not saved. You're not. And today is that day. Hear my passion. I'm not fussing at nobody. I'm passionate for your soul. God called me to be, and I'll be damned if somebody around me is not going to hear the truth. I'm not going to have that on my head when I stand before him. I will say I preached it with everything I had, God. I laid it out as best I could. So, Directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. Not a person. This ain't about a person. This ain't about what they think. This ain't about nobody else. This is about you turning back to God and being reconciled to God. To God. That's what this is about. We are ambassadors of the anointed one. Oh, sorry. I already read that. For God made the only one. Listen. God made the only one who did not know sin. He had no concept of it. Why? Lived in glory. Sin ain't allowed there. It tried to creep in one time when Satan tried to take over and run a rebellion. And the Bible says that in the bat of an eye, saw him fall like lightning, actually is what it says. That's how quick that issue was taken care of. God in his pure majestic glory will have no one rise up against him. He's too powerful. It's so much so the Bible says that the heavens of heaven can't contain him. Heaven is our thought and concept to be able to wrap our heads around him. He cannot be reduced to human thought. So the one who was the only one who did not know sin, he became sin for us. Became it. Epitomized it. Took on the DNA of sin. Not did sin. Not did a bad thing. No, he became it. His genetic structure on the cross shifted to where he became sin. All things that sin will hold and have on the cross, Jesus became that. Why? So that we who did not know righteousness. I had no thought and concept of righteousness. 
I couldn't. Even on my best day, the Bible told me that my righteous deeds were as filthy rags. Filthy rags. So I had no thought, of, I had no concept of righteousness. I didn't know righteousness. So, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God. So I had no concept of it. And now I've become the very thing that I didn't even know I even had. i become the righteousness of God through, listen, the union in him. Union. This is a marriage. This is a joining to. This ain't no club you join. That's why it's not as simple as just coming up and saying something. This is a union. This is a joining. This is a meshing together. This is something that causes me and Jesus to be wrapped into one. And what really happens is he steps into my life, steps into me, and he starts living through me to where he's conducting his life through me and gives me an opportunity to join in with living his life. Here in the earth. And now since we are God's co-workers, we beg you not to take God's marvelous grace for granted. Allowing it to have no effect on your lives. What happens when I take it for granted? It'll have no effect on me. It will have no effect on me. Final thought. If I am truly born again, Joel, can you uh, jump on the keys and play for me, please? I'm ending. If I'm truly born again, I gain a new nature. And in this, I bear a different kind of fruit. I'm not perfect, nor mistake-free, but I am not comfortable in the life I left behind. Otherwise, what did I get saved from? What'd you get saved from? You look just like you did. And you're going to live life trying to fool people that you got something. And then cross over into eternity and get hit with terrible news. Of depart from me, I never knew you. That's not a game, fam. That's not a game. Would be a tragedy to cross over into eternity. And my only focus of God in the earth was that he was supposed to give me stuff. And I let compromise all in and out of my life. Let sin stay all in in my house. No, I got habits and stuff that need to go. No, I'm hanging out with folk I don't need to. No, I'm giving up myself to people in ways that I should not be. But I still let it stay there and didn't want to play the game like I'm saved. That's not a game. Young and old, we need to hear this. Not a game. Eternity is on the line. If I'm born again, my behavior is different. It's different. I'm not cool with life like that no more. I've been born again. 
there, there is a power that is supposed to rest on the church. The early church folks, shadows hit people and they were healed. Putting cloths on, on Paul's sweat and letting him work in aprons and build tents and take that same apron, send it to somebody that's sick and they get healed. And we praying for folk for the same condition week in and week out and you're still sick. But there was, there was a posture that they took with salvation that I question whether we take it like that or not because I still think it's about me. I still think it's about me and mine. And I think I'm justified in that. It's the God of the universe. He owes me nothing. Owes me nothing. God did not call us to be trained and taught principles and tips to improve us as people. He called us to be educated in the ways of the kingdom of heaven. Obey them and exemplify what it is to be born again. I get the principle, I obey it to the extent of making me uncomfortable, making me get made fun of, whatever. Closing me off to people that I thought were for me. It, what we call persecution in America is absolutely trivial. Absolutely trivial. There are brothers and sisters we have in the church around the world who would die die in the, under the government that they are in if the government found out they were believers in Jesus. They would die, be put to death immediately. And I know the majority of American Christians wouldn't give their life because they don't really have it. You ain't ready to give your life. You, you won't even give your life or your kid. You're still selfish and full of you. You don't have what you say you got. That's what I came to tell you. And as heavy of a message as this is, it's heavy because of the weight of God's glory that is here. You need to set the foundation of salvation in your life and accept the Jesus I, pr I pray he does bless your life and, and give you nice things and, and, and everything that you're asking him for and the resources and, and resource you to the hilt to take care of what you need to take care of in the earth be a blessing to your children's children leave an inheritance all of that but before we get there and he raises you to new life need you to die first die to yourself die to the concept of salvation that you once held before this message and I am asking us I'm not doing that whole close your eyes and all that we're not doing that I need us that in light of what has been preached if you know there are spaces, crevices in your heart, in your life, where compromise has been made alive and you have allowed it to continue to live and you thought you were cool with God, still, 
because we were taking the grace of God for granted as if I deserve it and I found myself in a position and in a place to where I was cool to just live life on my own terms and thought I was just walk, going to walk straight into heaven as soon as I died but a man of God has stood before you to tell you the truth and I will take you to scripture on everything that I said I know what I'm talking about not because of how good I am but because I've gone through the process I'm born again and I'm a student of the word not for a badge but because this is what he called me to do and I take it serious souls are on the line eternity is so long it just is it's so long it just is don't need anything at the end that's how long it lasts now imagine stepping over into that with the, with the concept of salvation that you had before not a game not a game and when I count to three if you know that I don't have what I think what I thought I had this, this has impacted me and I want to be born again born again get all that bitten twistedness out of my life get saved receive the salvation of Jesus Christ and watch my life be transformed into something fresh and new nobody's judging here nobody's judging away with that and if someone were to do that internally God have mercy on them because this is a holy moment care who you are okay who you are what it was you were doing who you did it with what you said what you didn't say that's not important right now what is important that you take all that that you're thinking about and you take this message that you just heard you bring them together and you make a, a decision to be converted internally that's what I'm going after today so if that's you this altar is open uh, Pastor Joel be, uh, be playing and, and, and bringing, bringing the presence of the Lord in through song. I want all my leaders, uh, Pastor Ashley, Pastor Nick, Pastor Anthony, I want us at the altar to ready to embrace the people. If that is you, one, two, three, I need you down here at this altar. Don't play no games with this. Eternity is on the line. Eternity is on the line with this. This is not a game. This is not a game. This is not a game. Thank you. This one's not a game. This one's not a game. We need that foundation set. We need that foundation set. Hallelujah. We need that foundation set. We need that foundation laid. I must be born again if I am going to see what it is that I need to see. He made it clear. 
He made it clear. One must be born again. One must be born again. Jesus. We want to be born again, God. We want to be transformed. I don't want to be the same person. For what? Being the same person got me in the situation I'm in. I cannot afford to be the same person. I want to be transformed. You promise a newness of life. And I give myself over to you this day, God. I give myself over to you this day, Lord, that my heart can be transformed, that my heart can be converted, that there's a transformation that can happen to me on the inside, and I can arise in newness of life. I want to be born again. All of the bending and twistedness that's in my life. Take it away, God. Take control, Lord. Lead me in the decisions I need to make. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and rest in my life and teach me how to talk. Teach me how to think. Teach me how to process information. Teach me how to treat people. I thank you that your Holy Spirit will lead and navigate me into knowing what it is that I need to know when I need to know it. We want the salvation of the Lord Jesus in our life. Transforming us. Saving us from an eternity separated from you. We want the solid foundation, God. We want the foundation, God. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit has laid a foundation today. And in laying a foundation today, God, I thank you that God, this sorrow leads to repentance. So I pray, Lord, that in this time, that godless sorrow will sweep this room that godly sorrow for any ounce or any space of compromise in my life I can't afford to have that there's nothing about your life if I look at it in the scriptures where I see compromise you didn't compromise and skip out on me When it came to taking care of an issue that I had no hope of getting out of except for you. And in your love, in your lavish love, you gave of yourself. That I might have a seat at the table. 
So even in the midst of feeling in life where I've never been invited and I've never been valued and I've never been appreciated and I've never been seen for who it is that I really am and I've never been seen in the light that I that I wish I would have been seen. I've never been in that space or in that grace in the midst of being around people. I thank you, Lord, that you have set, you have set the table. My God, you have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my hair with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house. I feel that thing right there. You have a seat at the table. I feel that one. You have a seat at the table. You've always been looked at as you don't matter and you're insignificant. You have a seat at this table. You've got a seat at the table. You have a seat at the table. You have a seat at the table. The spread has been set with you in mind. You have a seat at the table. Your presence at this table matters. seat at this table those that are uh, still seated I will ask that we just maintain an attitude of worship and if you know you need to be up here don't let fear incite you shame or whatever it is that would try and grip your heart even if you thought you were saved for a long time and after hearing this it's making you question the altar's open there's space are being rescued today church souls we want to bear fruit of our repentance Jesus I'm done with the just saying stuff, just saying prayers. And there's no genuine heart transformation. We're going after heart conversion, God. We know what the scriptures say that we believe in our heart and confess in our mouth. That Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. But we want heart conversion.
to where I am changed. I'm not the same person no more. And at the risk of being made fun of, talked about, mocked, whatever, I want to be changed. I want to be changed. I want to be changed. A transformation internally. To where in the deepest recesses of my soul and my heart you reach your hand in and you pull something out Joel, I'm going to ask that you keep playing, sir. Um, everyone else, um, I don't have a formal benediction, so whenever you feel that you need to exit, I just ask that you do so uh, reverently and that we give give space and reverence to what it is that God's doing up front. So you guys, uh, you, you're dismissed whenever you see fit if you need to go. Thank you for truth. You spoke it clearly. You shall know the truth, and it is the truth that shall make you free. Truth makes you free. Truth makes you free. Not what you want to hear. Truth makes you free. Even when truth hurts, it still makes you free. thank you for the sharp sword of the truth of God that came and cut on us today hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus
thank you. We thank you. Because I know when my foundation gets laid right, <laughs> if my foundation be laid right, there's nowhere to go from here but up. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's nowhere to go from here but up. Because of the foundation being set and laid correctly. And we thank you. I thank you for the godly sorrow, God, that I sense and I see. Because you said it leads to repentance. Godly sorrow and the goodness of God. soul, like what we've been called to do as pastors and elders.